Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Okay, everybody. Good evening, baseball fans. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. I am your host for the evening, for better or for worse, Mike Carter. Joined, as always, by my loquacious, very bespectacled, looking good, Chris Torres. Chris, how are you feeling? We know I know you've been sick the last couple of weeks. You, you sound better tonight. I'm better, baby. I'm I'm ready to go. Um, you know, feeling good about the Yankees' big signing, mm-hmm. Lou Trevino. You know, I mean, yeah. I think that this is what's going to put them over the top. Forget Juan Soto. Forget you know. I hear about Blake Snell. It's really all about Lou Trevino. We're back, baby. Well, now the next thing you got to wait for is Bre- a Brett Gardner sighting, you know. Uh, so, bro, I'll be, you, you will not even want to be around me. Like, <laughs> you're going to get so many texts if, if that ever happens, you know. Uh, you <laughs> oh, know, that's, that's great. Guy. No, that's Tell your guy for sure. Yeah. Yes, he is, or was. Is, I guess you could say is. He's still alive. He's just not playing anymore, right? I mean, He's not, we can't say was. It's not like he's no longer. I don't, I don't on know the if planet. he ever officially retired, to be honest. And I know there were like rumors, like at one point last year, like would he come back? So, um, but I do. I'm, I'm kidding. He, I think that ship has, has sailed at this point. He'd be the starting right fielder on the White Sox. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, enough of my shenanigans here, Torres. Uh, with us tonight, return guest. I'm glad to call him a friend of the program. I believe that he would say he's a friend of the program, Levi Weaver. Levi was one of our first guests on the show when we first started doing this uh, last winter, and he's back by popular demand. Levi does the wind-up MLB newsletter for The Athletic, and if you're not reading this, you should be. It will come to your inbox on a daily basis. You don't even have to do anything. You could roll over in bed and look at it and, and read Levi's work. It's fantastic. And let me tell you, for the deal that The Athletic is running right now, $2 a month, that is absolutely ridiculous for the quality of writing and content that you get at The Athletic. Uh, Levi also covered the Texas Rangers for two years and also has done work at MLB.com and Baseball Prospectus. Levi, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. How's it going? Going good. I actually covered the Rangers for seven years. Seven? Why do I get that wrong all the time, Torres? Can I not count? What's the matter no, with me? No, it's fine. I mean, it was a total of two good years out of those seven. <laughs> well, we were going to kind of... We're gonna, we were going to bust on you a little bit on that, Levi, just because as soon as you got off the beat, they won the World Series, I believe, right? Was that the? Yeah, they they did, they did. And for a moment, I was like, "Is this my fault? Did I was I holding them back?" But uh, I was I was telling Chris earlier, like, it's not it's not me because the first year that I covered the team was 2016, and they made the playoffs. And so I've done a lot of research on this and determined that uh, the problem was Tom Grieve because he was with the franchise from 1972 and then retired in 20 at the end of 2022. So this is not my my hands are clean. Blood is on Tom Greaves' hands. He, he can take responsibility for the years of uh, the years of curse. I, I obviously I'm joking. Like I love Tom. He's one of the nicest guys in the entire sport. So he can handle it. He can handle us getting a hard time. We'll just blame it on him. And uh, and I, I hope he honorarily gets a, a ring. I think he deserves it for all the years that he put up with just that weird franchise, that very bizarre, strange franchise that he was with for most of his career levi what was that like for you you know being on the beat i know when you're on the beat it's your job you're in it every day 
you know, like, like obviously you're not looking at it like a fan, you know, and if they right. win the World Series, maybe it's not, you know, you're just looking for the best story. But the fact that you had stepped away that, you know, you had a, a different role and, and you weren't on the beat anymore. And then you, you watch them go win the World Series. Like, what what was that like for you to see that? You know, I was uh, I grew up a Rangers fan watching them when I was a kid. And so then to get to cover the team, you know, the first year it was just like this dream of like, dude, I get to like do my favorite thing as a job. This is amazing. And it's true. Uh, but very quickly, you learn why it's important to be objective and you don't want to lose your credibility. And there's times you have to write hard, critical things about people that you know and that you like. So you have to sort of separate. And also, it's such a freaking long season. Like as a fan, you can pick and choose which games you want to watch and, you know, which ones you want to live and die with when you're, when you're there every game or the ones you're not at, you're still having to watch and, and take in and analyze. You just, you cannot allow yourself to be emotionally connected because you'll burn out like super, like before the end of the first year, you'll just die. So then there was some part of me that was like, man, if they go and win a world series, you know, like I'm not even going to get to enjoy it. Like I would have in 2011 when I was just, you know, hanging on every pitch. Um, man, did I just get the worst of the heartbreak and now I'm not going to get the best of the, of, of, you know, seeing them win. But for me, wh what I was able to do, like I found, I found my angle. Um, and it was, so Eric Nadell has been the Rangers radio broadcaster since 1979. I think it was. And was so close to getting to call a World Series winner in 2011. But he's the voice that I listened to growing up. It was him and a guy named Mark Holtz who has since passed on. Like that was my connection because my dad was a rodeo cowboy. We're driving around listening to these games on the radio. He's, he's the guy. Like he basically taught me baseball. Mm -hmm. And so for the, the last out of the World Series, you know, I talked to him about doing a story about him because we had all of our national writers there we had fill in beats and i'm like trying to find a lane and all these stories are being written already what do i write about ah i know what i'll write about i'll write about nadel and so for the last hour i was actually in the radio booth behind him with my phone like recording him making the call because i know how important he is to other rangers fans and i knew that there was going to be a lot of people who were like happy for the rangers because of eric and um yeah, so so I found my angle, and I also that was kind of the emotional release for me too, because I, I mean, Eric's a good friend, love that dude. Um, he had missed the first half of the season just with you know, mental health struggles that he was pretty open about eventually. But um, to see him get to come back, and then that that's the year that he gets to call the final out of a World Series win, the first one, you know, that that for me, I was able to get my my little emotional fix there by getting to watch him. Um, do his thing and 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 be in that room for for you know when it finally happened. Man, that's amazing! That's amazing! What a really cool take on that, and what a great mind you have to be able to look at that and say that's the great angle to cover there. I mean, that's something that a lot of people wouldn't think of. So that's really cool that you thought of that and and did that. Well, if um, if I had been on the beat like the regular beat, I wouldn't have thought of it. It really was just a matter of like I convinced the athletic to send me to the World Series, which I think they maybe did as a favor for all those years that I covered a team that was really bad. Um, but like we had we had Cody Stavenhagen there writing about the Rangers, and he was doing a phenomenal job. You know, Andy McCullough's there, and Ken Rosenthal's there, and Tyler Kepner's there. Like we've got we've got our crew. Like they didn't need me, and so every time I'd think to write about something, it was like 
somebody else has got it. So it really was like necessity being the mother of invention. I didn't want to waste their money sending me to Arizona. And, um, but so I'm, you know, don't give me too much credit. Uh, but it was a, it was a very cool moment. I was glad to be there. Yeah, that's really cool. So Levi, you know, as spring training's uh, kicking off here, we have our first games, I think, starting tomorrow. What are a couple of stories that you're following here? Uh, besides the uniform fiasco, of course, so it's, it's been, um, <laughs> A, a bit, quite a fiasco uh, already to start the season. What are a couple of things that you're watching right now? Yeah, it came out today that the pants are kind of see through, which is like they're see through pants. You Wild. Know, I mean, you got Tony. Yeah. yeah, and he, it's like you did can you, see where you, his jersey is tucked in. Yeah, they said they had the same thing with Randy Rosarena today too. I don't know if you guys oh saw that. God. It was close close to pornographic. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, um, so that was definitely on my list of stories that I'm following because you know, the players union is involved now, which is just, just bonkers. Um, but the other, you know, obviously the big story of the offseason was Shohei Otani and, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I'm still getting that name to roll off the tip of my tongue. Um, you know, Otani coming back from, from what we still don't know if it was technically Tommy John surgery because everything is a secret with him. Um, and Yamamoto, like, how is he going to be? It was a huge contract for a guy that's never pitched in the big leagues before. So kind of watching those guys' progression and just seeing if the Dodgers do what we sort of think they will, which is dominate from start to finish, or if they just absolutely explode. Um, we saw we saw this happen with the Mets last year where they spent a ton of money and it didn't really go very well for them. So are we going to get schadenfreude or are we going to get to watch one of the greatest teams of all time? Either way, it's a story. Um, and then... It's been a, a trend of start or not super thrilled with their teams. Um, you know, it was, uh, uh, was it Rafael Devers who basically said probably like the Red Sox need to invest more money. You don't want to be on Netflix and be a losing team. Uh, meanwhile, Mike Trout in his very polite ways, like I've been pushing ownership to spend more money on free agents. And somebody asked, do you think he's going to do it? And he's like, yeah, no, I mean, you know, you know, Artie, it's, you know, I just sort of try to, to defer, but it's interesting to see stars of that ilk and you know trout's bit a much bigger star than devers but devers is he's he's an important member of the red sox to see them really sort of voice their displeasure and i am curious if that has any effect whatsoever on some of these you know scott boris agents that are still you know big name you mentioned blake snell jordan montgomery's still out there cody bellinger is still a free agent so uh, there are players they're available and I'll, I'll be interested to see if if those uh comments have any bearing on um on those on those free agents mike i'm gonna skip ahead here and uh because uh, levi just brought it up i, I want to follow up on that uh, the issue around these free agents that are still out there um i mean this is really i know we've had this in the past i remember bryce harper and manny machado i don't think it was this late that they signed um but this has been an issue for a while so I want to ask you, like, what what are your thoughts on the fact that we've got a Cy Young winner from last year who still hasn't signed, um, you know, and some really really good players out there? What do you think is causing this, and and when do you see these guys finally signing the contract? Man, it's a great question. Um, I think some of it has to do, obviously, I, you know, pay closer attention to the Rangers. I think they would have loved to have Jordan Montgomery back, but their TV deal has been such a fiasco with just you know getting. We're dropped from Bali and then Bali's going bankrupt. And then, oh, here comes Amazon. Okay, we'll sign you guys back for a year at a discounted rate. And then at the end of this year, you can find a new TV deal. But that didn't even come through until a few weeks ago. So their entire offseason, this was looming over them. And 
even now with it being a one year deal, like that's great. You've got, you know how much you're getting from your TV rights, but for one year, like Jordan Montgomery is not going to sign a one year deal. So you still have that uncertainty in the years ahead. Um, some of it is the teams that have the budget to do it don't need them and have already spent their money and the teams that could really use them or sorry, the, the teams that, that, uh, what did I just say? The teams that have the budget don't necessarily need to make that big of a move with a few exceptions. I still think the Red Sox could really jump in. Uh, the teams that really, really need them or don't have the budget to do it. So it's an odd fit. Um, you know, with Boris, he, he's not one to ever capitulate to a slow market. He'll wait. And it's to his credit. I think he's done a great job getting top dollar for his for his clients. I think there's a chance that with some of these guys, maybe they take a pillow deal like we've seen before, and you know, hit the market again next year when there's a little bit more stability. Um, but yeah, it's it's very unusual to have this many of this many big names still available and still on the market at this point in time. So the other question, you know, are the teams posturing right? You know, you got. Farhan Zaidi saying that he thinks that they're all set. And, you know, Tom Ricketts from the Cubs basically said, I don't even talk to Boris, the front office's job. Chris Young saying, mm-hmm. yeah, our, our offseason is complete. Do they mean that? Or is that a way to drive the price down a little bit? Uh, we'll, we'll find out eventually. But um, it's all just sort of a cat and mouse game, I think, at this point. And, and, you know, here we are, what, just a little over a month away from opening day. So there's there's a little time, but... With pitchers, you want to you get them it's in camp. Be, yeah, it's, it's got to be pretty soon here. Um, give me a prediction for, uh, I guess, the big three that are still out there. Uh, Bellinger, uh, Montgomery, and Snell. I, I think those are probably mm-hmm. the top three. Um, where do you think they end up? Yeah, I still think Bellinger goes back to the Cubs. Um, that just seems to be the most logical fit to me. Snell, I don't know, maybe the Yankees? Um, I saw something right before we logged on that I, I don't know how valid it was, but someone was saying that they were making progress. So, okay, all right, it feels yeah. that feels uh, like validation. And Montgomery, man, I don't know um, if <laughs> if Snell signs with the Yankees, Montgomery doesn't go there. If he if Snell goes somewhere else, maybe Montgomery goes to the Yankees. So I think the Yankees get one of those two guys. Um, you know, Snell goes to New York, and who even has the has the budget to do this i mean you know what maybe the rangers swoop in at a lower price or in a one-year deal and and get it done if it can't if he doesn't sign anywhere else so i don't feel confident about any of those mm-hmm. yeah no for sure well you would be really excited about snell signing with the yankees right chris oh i would be i mean i you know i i think we've talked about this i mean if you go and get juan soto and he's not signed to a long-term deal. Like you're basically saying you're going for it this year. And mm-hmm. I don't think the team as constructed is a world series winning team, especially if you compare it to you know, the Dodgers, uh, that, that rotation is lacking depth. I, I don't feel comfortable with, uh, Marcus Stroman as the three or four starter. Um, so I think they, they definitely need someone else up top there. So I, I'd be happy with it. It'd probably be more of a short-term deal. So you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I say go for it. Let it ride, right? Why yep. not? Levi, a uh, question I wanted to ask you about Rob Manfred. You know, he announced mm-hmm. uh, kind of quietly a couple of weeks ago that he was not going to seek another term as the leader of the MLB as commissioner. So I have two questions for you with that. One, what do you think history is going to tell us about his tenure? And two, 
what are who are some people you think might be the next person in line to take that role? Yeah, I think it's too early to say on his legacy because um, you know, on one hand, he oversaw I think some rule changes that not to be overly dramatic about it, but might have saved the game of baseball. You know, mm-hmm. It was it was becoming. And understandably, like if your analytics department says the best way to win games is to make them as boring as possible, the whole point is to win. You're not going to be like, yeah, but we're not going to do it. You know, like, <laughs> right, you know, right. So I think the I think the rule changes have been across the board pretty successful and and very beneficial to the game, and and that happened under him. Um, credit for that, you know. And it, we're going to see how this expansion things go thing goes. Uh, who knows how that's going to pan out or how soon it'll happen. Um, you know, on the flip side, he's also been the commissioner while this whole debacle with Oakland is happening. And, and, you know, that's been a mess. He was the commissioner when the Astros thing happened. And I think he caught a lot mm-hmm. of probably well-deserved, um, flack for that, you know, calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal, telling A's fans, well, you have another team like right across the bay. Why don't you just become Giants fans? Um, he's, he has a terrible read for the room. He is not mm-hmm. the most, uh, personable guy uh this is probably more you know from a media standpoint that the public probably won't think of it this way but maybe they will that when he speaks to the media he's very patronizing and very like mm-hmm. well if you understood then you would know that it's obviously this thing which is my point of view and people in the media and i'm, I'm not even talking about myself because i have huge uh, imposter syndrome here they're really good at parsing through the bs and so mm-hmm. you give them BS and they're patronizing on top of it and go, well, yeah, duh, it's this. Why are you so stupid? Um, that's not going to play well. So he's not, uh, who knows how his legacy will be seen. I think it's too early. I mean, the U.S. is going to have two more presidential elections before Manfred's term is over. So uh, there's time. There's will time we still be really standing as a up. country? <laughs> <laughs> it's over, you know? That's yeah. a fair question. <laughs> so, yeah, there's plenty of time for him to really screw it up. There's plenty of time for him to do some some good before he leaves the game. As far as guys to replace him, uh, you know, the fact that it is not until 2029 makes it really difficult to even guess. You know, we, we got a story in The Athletic, and the most common answer among people in Major League Baseball was basically like, it's going to be somebody you've never heard of right now. Like, it's five years away. They're going to, like, throw a broad net. They're going to bring in some probably somebody you've never heard of. If it is somebody internal, um, Morgan Sword is probably a good name to keep an eye on. He's, he was actually pretty instrumental in those rule changes. Uh, he's 38 or 39 years old, pretty young guy, um, apparently pretty pretty sharp. Um, he does also have the ability to do some difficult things. He was kind of at the head uh, of you know when, when baseball eliminated 40 minor league teams. So mm-hmm. not, I'm not. I'm not saying he's the guy that I would vote for. He's yeah, two thumbs up. It should be him. Um, but just that he's shown the ability to make difficult decisions. He's shown the ability under the rules thing to be involved in some very good decisions. Um, you know, if I had to pick one, he'd be my early favorite, but I, you know, on a scale of one to 100, how confident am I about that answer? Like about a four. So I don't know. I think there's so much time between now and then. I'd like to throw my hat in the ring here. You know, I think um, all those things that you said about Morgan Sword, um, I mean, they probably don't apply to me. But, you know, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring anyway. I won a, uh, a $50 fantasy baseball league one time. So I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm pretty qualified uh, to all be right. the next commit. So you know, if you, know you, you know, if you have any 
you know, if you have any connections, anybody, just throw it out there. Yeah. I know I have uh, already pre- uh, preemptively been eliminated. I would be the first one that the owners are like, kick him out. We've seen what he wrote about ownership. He's not welcome in this room or any room. Yeah. That's really funny. A name that I've heard thrown around here in Chicago quite a bit is uh, a lot of people think Theo Epstein might be somebody mm-hmm. who would be considered for that role. Um, and that would be kind of interesting to see. I think he'd be really good yeah. at it too. For sure. Yeah, I mean, as far as like, if you ask who, who I think, I probably should have said him as far as like guys who I think would be the best at it. I haven't given this a ton of thought to be quite honest. So, you know, I could probably throw out some bizarre names if you gave me a week to prepare, but like Epstein has proven time and again, that he's an incredibly sharp dude. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously loves the game, cares about the good of the game. And I think that's very important. Um, But, you know, also worked in the front office and I know sometimes the ownership is not, doesn't really want the front office running things because they think it's going to cost them money. He is on the ownership side now, so I don't know. Maybe, yeah, let's see what he does in the next five years. If he can play some politics and make that happen, I think that'd be a great move. Levi, before I ask my next question, I have to ask, um, what's behind you? Are those baseball cards or like mm-hmm. yeah. pictures? Baseball cards. Oh, are, okay. Uh, I don't know if I can pick up my computer and get them get it closer to here. Hold on. Bear bear with me. Let's see. Let's see if we can get a better shot here. We've got so many wires. This is gonna be this is gonna be great for the audio version, you know. Fantastic. This is my this is the one I'm the most proud of, which is a, a Bob Gibson rookie. Oh card. wow. Wow. I'm pretty nice. proud of that one. I don't have it graded, it's so a, it's not worth it. It's, it's a beautiful card. Are you, really, you a big collector? I collect because I think they're cool and because they smell like okay. old books. Uh, I am okay. not like a not like a go get like them graded and yeah, yeah, pa- parallels and numbered for fifty. Like I don't really care about the value uh, necessarily. Like if I get a valuable card, I'm going to sell it so I can buy a bunch more cool cards that I think are neat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Of course, oh, those are cool. Um, all right, so Levi, tell us a little bit about you know Mike mentioned that you uh, do a newsletter over at the Athletic uh, called the Windup. So mm-hmm. want to ask you a little bit about that, how you got started with that, and what your plans are with it moving forward. Yeah, so we we launched that on opening day of 2023. Uh, had been covering the Rangers for you know with the Athletic since 2018, but for two years prior to that with the local ABC affiliate, and um, they kind of put out something on Slack that said that they were going to be hiring for that position. If anybody was interested to let them know. And it was just kind of at that point where I had, I had been gone for so long um, from my own, my own house. And uh, so the ability to just kind of have weekends off and pick my kids up from school every day. um, It wasn't that I was like dissatisfied with the Rangers beat. I I loved covering the Rangers and it's the, I love the community of of people that are around the team. but it seemed like, you know, it was about time. You know, I was 42, I just turned 43 years old and my kids were going into, you know, my son's a freshman in high school now. My daughter's in fifth grade. And I was like, I've just been gone for so much of that. Before I did this, I was a touring singer songwriter and I was gone on tour quite a bit. And um, mm-hmm. it, I was just really, I was feeling it for sure and just needed to be home a little bit more. Um, I wanted to have friends that I didn't just see at the ballpark. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, I, I applied and thought, well, if I don't get it, Hey, so to keep the Rangers beat, that's fine. It's a great job. And I went through the interview process and they, 
they uh, they picked me. So it's been it's been really great working with Ken Rosenthal, who's absolute consummate pro, phenomenal teammate, and um, it's been a, a good challenge to like go from focusing on one team, you know, one team very very deep to like a lot of teams slightly less deep. And I'm learning about like who's pitching for the Pirates and like what's going on with the. <laughs> What's going on with the Cardinals bullpen and and things that I never really had to pay attention to before, um, but yeah, it's it's been pretty fun. It's been successful, and you know, I think probably just more of the same this year. My favorite my favorite thing about the the role is that we've got such a good team of writers at the Athletic. Like I really really do. I'm not just saying that because I work there. Um, I would say it just because I work there, but just you know, this is actually I actually mean this um, that. The, the level of talent that we have there and the number of stories that we get that I get to read and then sort of give a little boost to uh, a boost that would have meant a lot to me sometimes, you know, when I was covering the Rangers and nobody cared about them would have, uh, would have been nice to have that newsletter go out and send a link to one of my stories and like, cool, that makes me feel good about my work. So um, I always try to make sure to mention them by name and, and spread the love around a little bit. Cause it's, it really is my, my favorite part of the job is just kind of being a, a megaphone, for the people who still have boots on the ground and are, are doing the hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you're doing uh, an awesome job with it. Uh, and yeah, there, there is a ton of great talent there over at the athletic. We're actually going to have, um, Eno Sarah. So I know you, you oh, yeah. often plug his work in your newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have him on in a few weeks and he's a, uh, you know, obviously big in the fantasy community. Um, have you actually, have you gotten into fantasy at all or like more plugged into that now that you're off the beat or how do you No, No, I, not at all. I used huh? to play fantasy baseball, uh, before I took the job, uh, of covering baseball. And, and I actually, I will, somewhere in Nashville where I used to live exists a golden, you know, those T ball home plates. Someone spray painted it and made it into a plaque. And uh, I think it was 2012. I won the league, and so my name is still on the trophy somewhere. Uh, but yeah, once I started covering the team, it, baseball became so all-encompassing and all-consuming mm-hmm. that I really, really had to pivot hard. B- baseball used to be my distraction from work, and then once I started doing it for work, I needed other distractions. So if I'm not writing about baseball or like doing my job, I don't, I don't have time or the baseball energy to do fantasy anymore, um, which is unfortunate. You know, I. I I miss the camaraderie of being in the league, but I was just, I was, I was a horrible owner the last couple of years that I had my league <laughs> team and you know, just an absolute embarrassment to the league and to fantasy sports in general. So I had to just give it up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't as bad as what Torres did last year in a couple of his main event teams, but <laughs> that's okay. No, that's okay. Levi, you know, you mentioned earlier um, something that's really interesting. Last time you were on with us, you had, records that were on display behind you this time is baseball cards i don't know if you remember that but um unrelated to the baseball side of things we know that you've been a touring musician and a songwriter and you you spent a large part of your early life kind of touring around the country and playing music are there any musicians or bands right now that you're listening to that are kind of under the radar that you should uh that we should be paying attention to yes i know you've got a lot of really interesting taste in music and so think our listeners could benefit from hearing about some of the things you think about with that yeah i mean uh obviously the new idols record is out but they're not under the radar anymore those guys have, have kind of blown up so that's not my official answer uh i think i've been kind of on a kick of like women singer songwriters that's been kind of just what's speaking to me lately so there's there's a a woman from australia named angie mcmahon 
and her record is called Light Dark Light Again. And that has been a record that I... Oh, actually, you know what? I'm actually wearing... Check this out. Audio can't tell, but I'm wearing my Angie McMahon shirt right now. There it is. Oh, that's cool. Right. Official plug. Um, yeah, that one. you know, once in a while, you'll find one of those records that you just immediately are like, I need to listen to that again. And then you look up and it's two weeks later and you've only listened to that record for like two weeks straight. Um, so that's been, that's been her record for me. That's, that's my big answer. Uh, others that I've been into, uh, middle kids have a new EP out. They're also Australian. Uh, maybe I, maybe I have a type, uh, Maddie Diaz, who I met when we lived in Nashville, uh, sort of ran in the same circles, but I, I could never, I could never be friends with Maddie. I don't know. I, like she was always just one step ahead of me on the social rung. Um, but she's blown up too. She's her new record is really good. And then extremely under the radar, there is a, a girl from England called Gretel Hanlon, H-J-N-L-Y-N. I hope I spelled that correctly. Uh, has a song called Apple Juice that's just super catchy. You know, basically like I love the, the sort of mid nineties pop rock, uh, mm-hmm. with good hooks is coming back and we're starting to see that. So this is like my, my junior high and high school days are, are coming back into, into vogue and I love it. Um, so yeah, there we go. There's, there's my official list. Angie McMahon, Maddie Diaz, Middle Kids, and Gretel Han- Hanlon. Hanlon? I don't know how to say it, but she's really Every, good. everything comes back in cycles in music, doesn't it? You know, the it stuff does. that was out 30 years ago that nobody, that people thought was dead is all of a sudden all the rage again. I've got, I know, yeah. My, my, my emo scene bands are coming back now. Um, and you know, the, the swoopy bangs, I feel like those are just right. We're, we're getting, we're going to have more swoopy bangs soon. The problem is they're all sort of mixed with like the electronica now. So we're getting like sad emo, but with electronica dance music. And I, I can't, I don't like that it's seasoning. Weird, weird combo. Yeah. I, I liked it without, <laughs> I liked it better where it was just sort of overwrought, uh, just unhinged emotions screamed into a microphone through, you know, tight pants. So. I, oh, well. I love it when my, my 17 year old plays in an or in the orchestra at the high school, she plays the violin and she's actually pretty good at it. And every once in a while she'll come to me with her phone and she'll say, Hey, so when you were my age, you remember a band called the Smiths? And I'm like, yeah, mm, you remember a yes. band called the cure? Like, so she's finding all these things for the first yeah, time dude. and thinks that, and thinks that she's found them. And I'm like, well, let me tell you something, Ellie. <laughs> yeah, uh, those guys were yeah. big 30 years ago when I was a kid, you know? So it's my really son's funny. 14, my son's 14. He started playing guitar like a, a, probably about six months ago and he's actually getting pretty good. Like he's going to be better than me very soon. Um, but he's like getting into Radiohead and Manchester Orchestra and Pine Grove and like, and then he'll awesome. bring me stuff that I've never heard of. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Like, I love it. You're, you're getting into some good music here and, uh, I am more than happy to, I, like I try not to jump in and be overly like, oh, you like them? Well, let me tell you about this other band, and let me tell you about seventeen other, band. you know, like, right? Calm down, right. Dad. Just let him, let him discover his band and be cool with it. So, yeah, we're we're in that mode now where it's like she wants to go see the Pixies this summer, who are touring with uh, Modest Mouse, and I'm like, yeah. I love both of those bands, and I'm like, yeah, we'll go. And she's like, well, you know, I might want to go with my friends. Like, would you be willing to drive us and like just drop us off and go, hell no, I'm staying. Like, no, I'm you don't have to hang out. You don't have to hang out with me, but I'm going to listen to the Pixies play, you know, you know, debaser over in the corner of the room, you know? So Dude, anyway, I saw, them, <laughs> I saw them last year. And yeah. My son for his birthday wants tickets to Primus. I'm like, are we ready? Are we, oh, he's 14. Are we ready for you know <laughs> Primus in a perfect circle? Like, is it time for that? Yeah. Is that yeah, okay with this? So. Just don't tell Mrs. Weaver. 
just you'll be okay. Just don't. She doesn't need to know yeah. about that, right? <laughs> no, no, she she definitely needs to know. So we'll we'll. I understand. I, I think I think we have approval. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna try it. Um, That's awesome. But, uh, That's really cool. Yeah. Mike, all I'm listening to these days is Taylor Swift. I mean, my my daughter's eight, and she's like, I, I don't know, man. Like this whole Swifty thing, like she's totally into it. So that's uh, that's my musical um, <laughs> exposure right now. Is uh, that's okay. I'll send, I'll yeah, yeah. Let's let, let's hope she grows out of that. But that's that's yeah. where I'm at right now. I'm not gonna make a pun on that. I could do it, but I'm not going to. So. Levi, last last thing that we want to talk with you about. Thanks so much again for being here with us and making time to be with us tonight. Yeah, um, we obviously know where your work is at The Athletic, and we'll let you talk about anything that you got coming up that's coming out. But Chris and I always end our show with something we call the Mental Health Minute. And it's right. um, one thing that we are doing for ourselves to ensure our mental or physical wellness. You know, as men in the world, we don't talk a lot about mental health. And Chris and I both work in the mental health profession. So we talk about that with our guests. What's something that you're doing for yourself here in the last couple of weeks to make sure that you're taking care of your overall wellness, either mentally or physically or both? Yeah, dude, I, I love that you guys do this. I think it's so important. Um, you know, when I started therapy a few years ago, and one of the things that I really had a hard time with was um, the concept of like, you should love yourself. I'm like, why? <laughs> that guy sucks. I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I always felt like if I did that, I was letting myself off the hook, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I could only see my shortcomings and I was very driven, very much a perfectionist my whole life. And all that led to was, um, you know, covering up the parts that I was ashamed of and which mm-hmm. sort of allowed them to grow. And like, and even when I was being vulnerable, I think there were times that I would be vulnerable, but in a very curated way. Um, you know, I, I had, I wrote an article a few years ago about mental health where I talked about my struggles with depression, but like I could do that because I felt like I arrived at a conclusion um, and was able to present that in a way that I wasn't ashamed of. And so the idea, you know, I'm really coming around. I don't know that I'm fully there yet, but the idea of, of really what does it mean to love yourself and taking care of yourself? And what I think the most important thing that I've learned on that front you know, it's important to love the people that you love. And, you know, it's important to love your family and your friends. And like, there are people you do anything for. I think, I think, you know, most of us would say that we can, we can identify those people that we would do anything for. But loving yourself, it's not, it's not a zero sum game. It's not like you're going to take away some love from them to give it to yourself and be like, I am so great. I am so great. Look at me. It's, it's taking care of yourself. And when you do take care of yourself, uh, you know, I started working out for the first time in my adult life about a year ago, um, really started like putting into some practices to take care of myself. And what I've noticed is that I love them better because I'm a better, healthier version of myself. I am able to love them better instead of being so wrapped up in, in what's going on with me. And, and it's practice, right? Like when you're taking care of yourself and you, you identify the things that help you function well and the things that are going to put you in a position to succeed and give yourself those things. And sometimes that's a day off. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes it's not driving yourself quite so hard. What you find is that, that you, you love the people. The best gift that I can give someone else is the best version of myself. You know, I can't give them any more than, than what I'm capable of giving. And, um, the more that I increase my capacity to give, I'm going to love better. And, um, so that's been my big, my big lesson from the last, uh, I'd say probably three or four months is really that 
kind of starting to click for me that it's not it's not about letting yourself off the hook mm-hmm. um, necessarily. It's not about being lazy or being uh, egotistical or talking about how great I am. It's about humbly acknowledging like, no, man, I got a lot of, I need a lot. I need a lot of support. I need a lot of care. And I'm able to give some of that to myself. And that's okay. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. And it's, you, you forgive other people that need it, but you don't forgive it in yourself. So, um, yeah, love yourself and that will help you love others. And that feels so weird for me to say out loud because when my therapist first brought up the idea of loving myself, <laughs> I just absolutely was like, no, not doing that. Absolutely. For sure. Wow. That's really great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it, it takes a lot to really kind of go through that and be that best version of yourself that you can on a daily basis. And it's not every day that you can do it. You know, it's like yep. some days are going to be better than others. So it's the, it's that consistent grind, that grind set mentality that we talk about with the kids all the time, right? Like, just getting that on on a daily basis and doing it. Chris, I'm always interested in your take on this because you always have such interesting things to bring to the table when we talk about the mental health minute. What are you doing for yourself these days besides looking great? <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, so, so we talk about parenting too, like it's kind of tying into this, uh, this segment here. Uh, I've got two little ones an eight and a four year old and, um, uh, I had a situation the other day that kind of, it, it really, it, it was just different. And like my son, basically short of it is that, you know, it was one of those mornings, right? Like when the kids are just super needy and like mm-hmm. my son was sick. So he like nobody slept well. And, you know, I think for the most part, I, I'm pretty patient and pretty, you know, like, you know, I'm not blowing up at my kids or anything, but like there was just a moment where like I just wasn't the best version of myself. I wasn't the best parent that I could be. And I, I just, you know, and I, I reacted to my son in a way like I didn't yell at him, but it was, it was definitely not the normal me. All right. And how I normally respond to him. And, and he really felt it. And he said something to me that really like hit me super deep. And, um, it just, like in that moment, I just felt like so awful, you know, and the first thing that I automatically was like thinking like it, it's like, I don't know, for those of us who have like maybe some maladaptive coping skills, we all do to a certain extent, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely, um, we do. And when I felt that level of intensity of emotion in that moment. It was like, I just want to, like, your, your mind automatically goes to those maladaptive coping skills. Cause usually those are the quickest, right? They like give you mm-hmm. the quickest sense of relief. Um, and I have to say that, like, I, I kind of am proud of myself that in that moment, like the rest of, like, I felt so upset the rest of that day, but I was able to just kind of take a step back and like, you know, sometimes when we're in that emotional state, it's hard to access that logical, rational part of our brain, right? It, it's like mm-hmm. all those things that we know we should be doing, that kind of goes, that that part of our brain kind of goes offline. And I was proud of myself in this situation where I was able to actually take a step back, take a breath, mm-hmm. and access the things that actually are healthy coping skills for me. And mm-hmm. it helped me get through that moment. And what I did at the end of the day, my son had gone off to school and I kind of had to sit with it for the day. And, but when he came back, and, and I think this is so important, is I took accountability 
And even though my son is four, and I don't know how much he really, he might have even just forgot about what happened. Mm -hmm. Really, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know how much he understood it, but I was like, buddy, I'm really sorry. Like that wasn't, that's not how daddy wants to act. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do better next time. And I think that I, he seemed to kind of like, I don't know, like you felt like we had a moment, you know, Mm -hmm. when I, when I did that. And, uh, so I, I just bring that up. It's like, you know, just the idea of, um, really when we're in those intense emotional states, like just letting there be a space in between, you know, your, your thoughts and your actions. Right. And like just giving yourself that moment to think about what's what's the best way to move forward here rather than go to something that might just make the situation worse. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was a situation for uh, for me. And and yeah, I, I feel like I, I, I can say like I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself for the way I handled that. Um, so. That's great. You guys both had some pretty deep stuff there. Mine's not nearly as deep this week as what you guys were hitting on. But, you know, uh, as we talk about the kids and, and, and how they're getting older, you know, I've started to realize that the time is really fleeting and we're, we're all really busy and we decide on a daily basis, we decide what we give our time and our energy to, right? So I have a full time job. I have a part time job on the weekends. I'm writing for two different fantasy baseball websites, you know, staying busy. I like to be busy. It keeps me uh, on my toes. It keeps me better. But the one thing that I really have been trying to do over the last few weeks is spending one-on-one time with both of my kids because they're both so different from each other and so unique. They both need different things from me. So Ellie's getting ready to start looking at colleges and wants to study history. She's like, you know, looking up Gregorian chants and and speaking to me in code. I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but she's really interested in it. And I'm interested in it because... She's interested in it. And, uh, you know, she's, da- she's, she's dating. I've, I've been clear about this on the podcast before, you know, she's out and she's been out since she was about you know, 11 or 12 years old. I'm super proud of her and she's dating somebody and she's super happy and things are going really, really well for her. And I love spending time with her. So we'll, we'll go and get a cup of coffee at the local coffee shop and talk about bands. She, Levi, you mentioned Radiohead before. She and I are both like devotees of Radiohead and like, trying to get into the smile, but realizing it's not Radiohead, kind of like that kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. going yeah. and uh, hang, hanging out, listening to music and just driving around the car. And then last weekend, Jack says to me, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to go to Steak and Shake and get a couple of burgers. And can we just go sit at the bar? Uh, it, there's this local brewery in Batavia here called Sturdy Shelter. He's like, I've never been there. I want to just sit up at the bar with you for a while. Can we do that? I'm like, twist my arm. You know, oh, I'm yeah. 5'10". I'm 5'10", 230 pounds. I didn't get fat on accident. You know, like I know how to eat. I know how to drink beer, you know. <laughs> and so we did that. And it was awesome. We just, it was like an hour. We just did that. It was great. We started talking about baseball season coming up. He plays baseball in the league here and loves it. And just both of them, it was so soul filling for me, you know, because we're so busy on a daily basis. I have, I have weeks like last week where I didn't get home before nine o'clock any night last week until Friday with school stuff and all the mental health stuff that's going on with school. And so having those moments is something that they can be few and far between, but I know that on a daily basis or weekly basis, I should say, those are things that I really need to get in touch with. And so you guys did an awesome job. Thank you so much for participating in that mental health minute. That was really deep and a lot of really good things to think about. Levi, before we get out of here, um, 
tell everybody where they can find you. Obviously, we know that you're at The Athletic, but anything big that you got coming up in the next few days that you want to talk about? Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't work anymore. I just do <laughs> newsletters. Uh, no, I, I'm kidding. Uh, we are going back to five days a week soon on the windup. Uh, we sort of went, went down to two days a week for the off season, but with spring training ramping up and games, I think, I think March 4th, if I'm not mistaken, if not the fourth year. Anyway, going back to five days a week soon. Uh, that newsletter is actually free, even if you're not a subscriber. So you can just, uh, I should have that link memorized at this point. It's been almost a year, but if you just Google the windup, and my name mm-hmm. and Ken Rosenthal, you'll find it. Google is very good about bringing up those results. So um, that's it, man, for me. Uh, I've just been, been been doing some other life stuff in the off season and catching up on, um, you know, st- stuff that I'm not even promoting, like learning how to do painting. Like nobody needs mm-hmm. to see that. It's not good. It's it's real bad. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you where to find that. Uh, no, <laughs> just, just uh, read the newsletter. Keep me in. Keep me in uh, paint supplies. That'd be great. For sure. Well, Levi, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, know that it's, uh, you know, a lot of things going on here in February as we get ready for baseball season. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on with us. Well, we'd love to have you on again. You're one of our favorite guests that we've had. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast tonight, those of you that are out there, please consider giving us a rating and a review wherever you find your podcast, because that helps to show out quite a bit for my co-host, Chris Torres. This is Mike Carter. We are signing off for the Fantasy Baseball Beat. We'll be back next week with another fun-filled and jam-packed show. Thank you. Have a good night. Peace.